0: Welcome to the podcast Intuition Speaks with Tia Marie. I'm so excited that you guys decided to join me today for another episode. This is a podcast about spiritual well-being, growth and development and just becoming the best version of you that you could possibly be. I am Tia Marie, an Akashic Reader, Shamanic Healer, and overall Intuition Specialist here to help you on your own personal spiritual journey by sharing my own experiences as i grow and develop with you guys hello hello and welcome to this week's episode of intuition speaks I am so excited to have you guys here. A couple months ago, I had this idea in the back of my head that I would create a collaborative story episode and it did come through for me and I cannot wait to create more of these for you. It was a lot. Of digging and being resourceful and finding the right people but it was well worth it and I cannot wait to share all of these really cool and amazing stories with you guys the collaboration I decided to do because it is spooky season happy spooky season we are almost at Halloween And I just love this time of year. I feel so tapped in. I feel so tuned in. I just feel like the energy has been hitting me in these ginormous waves of creativity and passion and joy. And oh, I hope you can tell in my energy right now how excited I am. So the theme I went with was spiritual encounters. Yes, and I've been having a lot of spiritual activity going on in this house as well. I was talking with my son just the other day and I was like, oh, do you have any ghost experiences? And he was like, yeah, just recently I heard People walking around really early in the morning, around 3 a.m. And he was like, and it didn't sound like you or dad. And I could hear them opening the door to the room right next to mine and hearing footsteps and whispering, which is kind of funny because the room next to his room is just a storage room for right now. It eventually will be my husband's office but there are some pieces of furniture in there that actually belonged to my grandmother and before when we had first moved into this house there was a nightlight in the room that was activated every time it would sense you walk by it and i just noticed so randomly like it would turn on (laughs) and I was like, there's nobody in there, and one time we were outside by the fire, and that window to that room was facing the back of the house, and it literally looked like somebody was pacing back and forth in front of that sensor, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna put the sensor somebody, you know, somewhere else, so I don't have to be so spooked out by it, um, Obviously, the energies in this house are nice and loving and playful. There have been other incidences when we first moved in. My husband had a touch lamp and you just tapped it to turn it on. And there were quite a few really late night mornings where I would wake up a little after midnight. And I would like shake him awake and I'd be like, why did you leave your lamp on? Or why did you turn it on in the middle of the night? And he would tell me that he didn't. And I thought, you know, well, maybe he was just forgetting or maybe he was just, you know, turning it on and not realizing it until one evening we were up really late and just talking. And all of a sudden, the lamp turns on right next to him while he was facing me. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, we know for sure now that it wasn't you that's been turning it on. (laughs) I've had other instances where they have turned on the TV. And my most recent one was I was sitting in the TV room And we also have a TV in our sunroom that was on. And I was just sitting quietly in the TV room reading and everyone went upstairs and I was just chilling out and the lights were on in the kitchen and in the sunroom and in the TV room where I was, but all the lights went out in the TV room, and every other light was fine, so I was like, what's going on, or did we lose power, but then I realized that the TV was still on in the other room, and then when I went to turn to look to see if the kitchen lights were still on, the lights came back on, and I felt something, and I saw my shirt move, and it felt like someone was grabbing my arm. That one really spooked me out, I was like, thank you, hi. Thank you for checking in on me. I'm doing great. (laughs) So I have obviously had a lot of experience with the supernatural and with spirits. I have so many stories that I could just keep going on, but I have some amazing stories that I've collected from others that I would love to share with you. And make sure that you stay till the end to hear a special offer I have for you. I am offering a free Akashic adjustment just for you and you can find out how to get your free adjustment at the end of the episode. So I hope you enjoy.
1: I live in a haunted house in Denver, Colorado and basically... We've we've lived in this house for over 20 years, and um, there are some weird things that have always happened. We just recently named our ghost Russell. So the reason behind that is you hear little rustling noises, you hear bangs on the walls, and every so often you hear voices. So one night um, when my adopted brother was staying with us, uh, we said goodnight, and I live in the basement, so I go downstairs, and I'm changing my clothes, I'm in the laundry room, and all of a sudden I hear, what are you doing? And I'm like, yo, is that my brother? I didn't hear him come down the stairs, and of course, I respond, hey, what's up? I-, I got no response back, but you could definitely hear a little presence, and that's just one of like the many stories that I have. Another story that I have is I was in my bedroom, I was messing around with my iPad, and I have like the little pencil for it. I go upstairs, I get a drink, and I come back downstairs, my pencil is now missing. Now, the famous Russell, he likes to steal things, so one of the things that he stole was my, of course, pencil. Three months later, when I'm looking to buy a new pencil for my iPad, my cat starts messing around with something in the wall. Now the um, bottom of like the wall, there's like about an inch to like the floor, so my cat is like messing with something inside there. So I come over there and it's my pencil in the wall! Three months later. Now this story isn't necessarily about Russell, but this is another haunted story of me working at a pot shop in Denver and basically, I'm in the back of the of the uh, dispensary, kind of uh, rolling up some joints for customers. And, uh, you know, when you feel a presence around you, well, I, I kind of felt something. So, I, like, look around, and I felt something tap my shoulder on the opposite side that I was looking at. So, I look over, thinking it was one of my coworkers who snuck up behind me. No, it was not. I then saw, like, little leaves that we had um, on our wall kind of flowing in the wind a little bit. Now, there's no breeze in that room. There's no windows or nothing. So I come out the room and my manager tells me that I need to go help a customer and the customer takes me to the exact spot where this happened. I was a little freaked out about that one. (laughs) This one actually happened to me yesterday. Um, I was sitting in the living room with my adopted brother, We were, um, hanging out listening to one of his podcasts and something walked across the kitchen floor. It was a black shadow. Now, usually Russell does not make an appearance, but he definitely made an appearance yesterday. This one was actually at the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. Um, Me and a few of my friends were staying there with our moms. And we were staying in the manor house. And the manor house used to be for single men back in the day. And this was our last day there. So we wake up. Nobody was drinking on this trip, mind you. Um, We find a glass of whiskey on the very, very top of the TV stand. We're all short. We can't obviously reach it. So that was weird. And so then we go to breakfast and we come back. And that whiskey glass then moved again. And instead of it being half full of whiskey, it was like a quarter full. And it was gelatinized, which was gross and weird. So we're packing up our stuff. And we then noticed that the glass moved again. And this time, the whiskey inside the glass was basically sugarized at the bottom of the glass and we cannot to this day figure out why the whiskey gelatinized in that glass
2: I've always been sensitive my whole life I've been sensitive not only in my emotions but in knowing things I um, used to tell people when their birthday was or event that happened in their life. And they would say things like, how do you know? Who told you? I never told you. I would just shrug my shoulders. And think, you know, I didn't think much of it. I thought that everybody was like that. <coughs> couldn't understand why uh, people didn't want to uh, be near me. I just thought maybe it was the clothes I was wearing or how I looked. Uh, I didn't understand it, but I knew it hurt. Many years later, of course, as an adult, I uh, I died in the hospital for one minute and nine seconds. I don't remember anything about being dead. I do remember how I felt when I woke. I woke in the ICU with tubes out of every place you can imagine. And feeding tubes and breathing tubes. And the first thing I thought was, oh, shit. But my brain was on fire Uh, it was like I was seeing a movie at at fast forward I was seeing all these images and dates and time and people and uh, short messages and and things uh, animals all at once and I couldn't understand what I thought maybe I messed up my brain or something I was schizophrenic or something I don't know but uh all I knew is that I was in an ICU unable to move ...with a mind that was on fire. When I finally got to the ICU... ...I ended up in the ward... I was using a walker... ...because I couldn't walk so good... ...at the time. And I went to this couch... ...where there was a, a middle-aged man sitting there... ...salt and pepper hair... ...a bit of a pooch... ...and uh, wearing a... ...hospital health coat. And a lady was standing beside him... ...an older woman... Very much shaped like a pear. Big lady. Having some tea. And next thing I know, she let up this most horrendous, super loud fart. I had not heard anything that loud in my life. I was a bit shocked, and I looked down at the guy, and I said, Whoa, did you hear that? That was a trumpet. He's like, What do you mean? I go, Well, that lady over there, she's with the cup of tea. She's farting her brains out. How can you miss that? He said, Uh... Oh my God, as he got a little pale in his face. Oh my God, that's my mother. But my mother is dead. And I didn't know what to make of it. I was shocked and uh, in denial. I couldn't understand uh, what was going on. So I took off down the hallway and I hid in my room, trying to sort out what had just happened. I realized that I'd seen and heard a dead person. And uh, I was frightened because being sensitive is not always what it's cracked up to be. It comes hand in hand with things like depression and um, shocks, one after the other.
3: Hi there. This is Joe West, Psychic Medium Empath, and I am also part of Paranormal Party. We recently went out to Jericho, and we had many different tools and equipment, and one of the pieces of equipment we used was the Estes Method, if you are not familiar with that. It is where you put... Um, earbuds in, and they have the white static sound coming in there so you can't hear anything, a blindfold, and then noise cancellation headphones. And I was using that method. We were in a room. I was sitting down. Um, I remember the first thing I said was I raised my hand and pointed and said, get out. Um, I think I said somewhere in there that they would never find me. Um, I saw the spirit that was talking to me. He was a male between the ages of 19 to 22. um, Short black hair that kind of looked like He had bed head. Um, And he felt trapped and was trying to find a way out. Um, Very much a sense of hopelessness. The sense of hopelessness was very, very heavy. Um, And then I don't really remember a whole lot in between there. Um, But at the end, I remember putting my hands up as if to block something and saying, please don't hit me. And I kept saying it. And then towards the end, it was more like I was begging whoever it was not to hit me. Um, the spirit was very strong. It had a lot of trust issues because everyone had left it. Um, but we were able to um set it at peace so that was super awesome
4: okay so i do have one house that i can talk about this is going to be fairly short um there was this one house that we lived out at in middleburg and it was kind of like on the edge of the woods um i was like 12 at the time and where the bedrooms were it was just this one hallway where the three bedrooms and one bathroom was at and, um, in the middle, there was one on the bedroom on the left, a bedroom on the right and one in the middle. Mine was all the way at the right at the end of the hallway. My sister's was in the middle. There was one time when we were sitting in their room watching something on the TV and I look out of the doorway, which is open. And I see this dude in this like old timey, like detective suit, like Sherlock Holmes style walking towards my bedroom. I didn't say anything because my sisters were like four or five at the time. And I'm not going to be like, hey, I just saw a ghost um, to some babies. <laughs> um, but yeah, he walked right into my room. And the funny thing about my bedroom is in my closet was the attic. I actually had a few things go missing out of that attic. And I don't know if that was paranormal, if there was just someone living in our attic. Um, I actually do have another one that I can tell you about. Um, this and this house actually has several stories in it, but I will just talk about one that is kind of funny to me um, We lived in this house now this was also in Middleburg. I was a bit older was so a few years later, I was probably about fourteen or fifteen at the time, and this house was even further into the woods than the last one, so the driveway was like half a mile long, and there's only one house on each side of our house um and I had gotten off of school and nobody was home yet, so I was gonna sit on the front porch and wait for them to get home because I didn't have a key to the house. And I just decided to look up into the kitchen and there's this old lady just staring at me through the kitchen window. And I, of course, get freaked out. I walk all the way back down that driveway and sit at the end of it waiting for my mom to get home. Um, and that that one was really freaky. That's probably the most visual one I had in that house um but yeah that is it thank you so much for letting me
5: be a part of this hi tia um it's Brittany. so i um am on here (laughs) ready to share my story and i chuckle because um it took me a long time to get past this particular story that i'm going to tell you um So, I don't live that far from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, so uh, anyone who knows anything about the area knows that it's one of the most haunted places in the country, uh, just because of the Battle of Gettysburg, Um, so history for anybody who is not sure, doesn't live near here, or just is not that interested in history, I'm a history nerd. More people died in the three days in the Battle of Gettysburg than the entire Vietnam War. So that's a lot of people. (laughs) So there's obviously a lot of energy and a lot of things still floating around there and, um, you know, energy and spirits that are just still hanging out all these years later. So there is a place there called the Farnsworth Inn, and it is a bed and breakfast, it's also a restaurant. And they host a lot of ghost tours there of the actual grounds itself. And then they also do ghost hunts that they offer. Um, So there is just a lot surrounding the building. Um, On the one side of the building, there are actually a lot of bullet holes. (laughs) I think there's 134. So basically, at one point, Confederates had taken... Um, like made their safe space in the attic, essentially. Um, And so a lot of them were getting shot. And at one point, the bodies were piling up and they had to obviously get them out. But they couldn't do that during the day without risking more people being killed. So so there's a lot to this particular building. And if anyone has heard of Jenny Wade, Um, She was the only civilian killed during the Battle of Gettysburg, so they believe that the shot that killed her came from the Farnsworth house inn. So having said that, there's a lot of energy, a lot of history, a lot, a lot, a lot surrounding this particular building. So my husband and I decided, this was years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, um, we decided to take the ghost tour that basically started in the attic, and then we went down to what they refer to as the Grove, um, which had, they found a lot of Confederate bodies there when they started building some new buildings right on the edge of the parkland, um, state park land. And so there's a lot of energy there. And then the tour would end back in the basement of the Farnsworth. Um, also another incredibly haunted place. So, um, the basement specifically. So, we started in the attic and as we were sitting on, they had almost kind of like smaller versions of bleachers. So I was sitting closest to the door and if you were to look out of the door and look down, there's no way that somebody could have kind of been messing with us, which was my first thought. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the door to the attic just creaks open and my first thought was, oh, that was weird. Um, so I got up and I closed it. I didn't think too much of it at the time and then I go back and I sit down and um, all of a sudden it felt like someone was touching my hair but like underneath of my hair on my neck and everything on my body just stood up and I looked over at my husband and just with this kind of shocked face and I said stop touching me you're freaking me out and he said I didn't touch you (laughs) like my hand wasn't anywhere near you and I said stop messing with me you were touching me. Um, And he said, I was not touching you. So not long after that, I actually heard the lock on the door kind of jiggle. And I look over and at this point, everybody's looking over and we literally see the lock come out of the place where it's latched. It's an old school lock. Um, And it just creaks open again. And so at this point, everybody's staring at me because I'm sitting closest to the door every hair on my body is standing up. And at that point, I could feel energy, I could just feel it, there was someone, there was someone standing right beside me, I couldn't see them. But there was definitely energy there. And it was after that second time the door opened, I really, really felt it. So I got up and I closed the door again. At that point, we went to the grove. When we walked down to the grove. um, I said to my husband, do you smell that? And he said, no, what are you talking about? And I said, it smells like a cigar. And not long after that, the tour guide literally says, um, (laughs) a lot of people claim to smell cigar smoke in this particular spot. And I was like, oh my gosh, of course they do. So there was that. And I just, I mean, it was just very apparent that there was just a lot of energy there. I'm very sensitive, particularly, Um, to energy. And so um, I definitely was very creeped out at that point, because it's it smelled like it was almost like someone was blowing it right in my face. So then we leave the grove and we go back to the basement, which is where the fun happens. Um, if you even want to say that, um, so we're sitting in the basement and the chairs were lined up in rows. There were probably like eight chairs to a row. So I was sitting kind of in the middle. There were about three or four women to the right of me. And then the aisle that separated both uh, sides of where they had the chairs set up. So, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I start feeling like somebody is touching the back of my neck again um, underneath of my hair. So it's like on my neck, like going up to my hairline and I look over at my husband and I could see both hands were on his lap. So I knew it wasn't him and I just felt somebody, I mean, it felt like fingers just like stroking the back of my neck to my hairline and I just started to freak out and all of a sudden I start to get this feeling that somebody is breathing on me. Um, And it just started to freak me out. And I started to kind of fidget um, because it just really was making me incredibly uncomfortable, almost as if it was an energy that was intentionally trying to just scare me. Like it knew exactly what it was doing, just trying to scare me. And so then and I had dangly earrings on so all of a sudden I start feeling like someone's touching my ears and then pulling on my earrings and it was almost as if it knew that I was trying to ignore it and so it was like well I guess I have to step up my game and so on top of that um it just like started to kind of almost get more aggressive And at that point, the tour guide starts talking about an entity in the basement who hates women. And there have been a lot of incidences. Um, Someone had actually gotten their nose broken. They don't say this entity's name for a reason. There was a woman who at some point had been in one of the tours. She was sitting in the back and she was kind of taunting it. Um, and so it slammed her head into the chair in front of her and she had to go to the hospital with a broken nose. So I do believe it was the same entity, um, that I was experiencing. And so I kept like putting my hand in my hair, almost like if you were flicking a bug, um, that's kind of what I kept doing, like, leave me alone. And, um, so all of a sudden we are coming kind of to the end of the tour and I felt fingers on top of my shoulders. And I kind of started moving in my chair as if to say, stop touching me. And out of nowhere, I shouldn't really say out of nowhere, but (laughs) out of nowhere, um, it felt like someone was behind me just pressing their hands down on my shoulders and around the bottom of my neck. And I cleared the women sitting to the right of me. I literally, jumped over the women who were sitting to the right of me and I bolted out the door and I went out so fast. My husband didn't even realize that I left and it was very dark in there and I was crying. Um, I ran straight to the car, up the street to the car. And so I just had to get out of there. Um, and so when my husband finally realized that I was at the car, he starts walking up and he's like, what is wrong? And I said, I don't want to talk about it. Um and so it actually took me quite some time. Um I don't know exactly how long it took me to tell him what happened, but when we left town that night, we actually stopped at a Sheets to get gas and I wouldn't even sit in a lit parking lot by myself. Um I slept with the lights on for a week. Um it was terrifying and to this day, I I have gotten over what happened there, but I still can't walk on the same side of the street as the building when I go to visit. Um Gettysburg it was an absolutely terrifying experience for me um but that is my terrifying ghost story um so thank you for letting me share and I really appreciate
6: it. So I think one of the most creepy ghost stories that I have is when I used to work at a fast food chain and the location I was at had this ghost and it was very mm, moody and it did not like people, I guess, or something, because it would throw things at you. It would drop things at you. One time we heard it scream. And on the shelf, there are a pack of cigarettes, a cell phone, and a cup of like pens and pencils. The cigarettes was behind the um, pens and pencils and the cell phone. I was making like a triangle. And as I'm talking and looking at her, the pack of cigarettes flies at me and hits me in the leg. And I had been talking a lot of like smack that day about what was going on because it would drop like lids especially on you. Um, and I remember that boxes would fall and they would just, it would just be a mess everywhere. And since I had to close, I would be mad and those things don't really scare me. So, so I would scream and I was like, you know, can you stop? Like I have to clean this up, you don't. And it would stop. But yeah, I don't think that thing really liked me much.
7: Hey, Tia Marie, it's Maria Guyon here from Wildly Autistic and here are some of my spooky stories. (laughs) Um, I strongly believe that being autistic has gifted me with a pretty strong sense of intuition, particularly when it comes to animals. Um, I've seen so many animals in spirit. Sometimes I just feel them, sometimes I can hear them and sometimes I can see them. My first encounter of this sort of kind was years ago when I was about five years old and I was on holiday with my mum in Wales and I started insisting to my mum that my grandma had died and my mum was really really upset about this because I was really insistent grandma has died grandma has died and this was in the days before mobile phones you know I'm talking 45 years ago Uh, luckily my nan was one of the first few people that had a telephone in her house And so we made our way to a telephone box and called and said, please tell us that she's okay, that Grandma's not died. And she said, no, she said, I'm fine, I'm not dead, don't worry. But the dog, our family dog, had had been put to sleep. And I was devastated. He had been my best friend. He was all I'd known from being a baby. So I kind of knew that he had gone. The other animals I've seen... I've seen horses, I've felt horses, I kept my horse at a stable and I would muck out his stable and I could feel somebody sort of moving around me and eventually I started hearing the sound of his shoes on the cobbles and I could kind of just see him out of the corner of my eye but I couldn't quite catch him. Um, But I thought he was a big brown fella. And I went to speak to the owner of the stable and I said, you know, there's a horse in there and he keeps walking around me and I can kind of feel the movement of his body as he's walking around and now I've started hearing his, his hoof beats. But he's kind of like, he won't make himself seen, he's just kind of like in the corner of my eye all the time. And she said, oh my God, that was my horse, he lived in that stable. And he passed away. And I said, well, he's still in there, you can go and talk to him. And then my spookiest tale and one that brings me great comfort even to this day was I was working in Chichester in the south of England and I lived in a very small hamlet and to get from my workplace to this hamlet was a very very long windy dark tree-lined lane there was nothing but countryside on either side of it there was a giant ditch at the side there were no street lights whatsoever. And honestly, it was one of the spookiest roads I've ever been on. And at the time, I didn't have a car. I had a moped, a motor scooter. And for whatever reason, it was the middle of winter. It was pouring down with rain. And for whatever reason, the scooter kept cutting out. And I couldn't understand it. I thought it had got enough petrol in it. I couldn't understand what was going on. But imagine now, it's pitch black. There are no lights. The wind is blowing through these trees that I can barely make out at the side of this road. There are no cars coming towards me on this road or behind me on this road. So there are no car lights, nothing. It was pitch black. And every time the bike cut out, I was literally praying that I could turn the key and it would start again. And I was in such a panic, it was ridiculous. And it kept doing it sort of every five minutes. And I would think, no, no, please, please don't do this again. And I was terrified that if a car did come, they might hit me and knock me into the ditch and I would never be found. Not for weeks. It was terrifying. And then all of a sudden, I felt a presence around me. And I heard a voice say, come on, girl, get on the bike. I'm going to get you home. And I got on the bike And I felt somebody sit on the bike behind me. And he put his arms around my waist and he said, it's okay, I'm going to get you home. And it was my grandfather. My grandfather had also ridden a a motor scooter and I think he quite fancied a go on it. (laughs) But the whole way home after that, the bike did not cut out again. He got me home safely. And the feeling of comfort that I had from him was just amazing and i will never ever ever forget it happy halloween everybody
8: nick valeri so my friend leo and i were on our way back to his house um i don't even remember what we were doing um but we were driving up uh, one of the mountain roads by his house and we didn't see it until we were Till we were right up on it, and it was just this bright white figure that wasn't there when we turned around to uh, check out what it was, and there is nowhere to go on that road. Um, You're either walking straight up a mountain, or you're in the river on that road. Um, But both of us were freaked out. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we didn't sleep all that great that night, but that's the story.
9: So I am Monique Vacon. Thank you for having me on Tia. I'm excited to share my most recent encounter with spirit. So my boyfriend and I were in Colorado. We spent the entire summer together out there, which was amazing And we stayed in this really historic, kind of older town called Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And we ended up getting to our hotel pretty late. We stayed at a place called um, the Hotel Denver. And it's right downtown and it's actually right near a railroad, uh, railroad, which actually will kind of come into play later on in in my story. And like I said, it was pretty late when we got into the hotel. Our room was on the third floor. It was a really cool, chic, boutique type hotel. And, you know, so we were just settling in and I was starting to fall asleep and I woke up. And standing near bed was a woman and she was dressed in like old fashioned black clothes. And I didn't think too much of it. Old Monique would have freaked out because, <laughs> you know, there's a ghost in your room and she's standing there. So I acknowledged her presence. I said, hi, um, you know, it's kind of late and I'd like to get some sleep. So, you know, I kind of put it out like that. And It was interesting because she didn't have much to say she did respect my wishes and i was able to fall back asleep and i actually had a dream about her that night which was very interesting so i woke up the next day um my boyfriend jared was actually dead asleep during all of this so he didn't wake up he didn't hear me talking because I've know, I've been known to <laughs> talk in my sleep. Um, so it wasn't that kind of thing. And I said to him, I said, there was a woman in our room last night. And he was like, oh. And he's very open to spirit. He's had several encounters. He would actually be someone to talk to because he's had some really cool encounters with spirit in the past and just in his childhood. And... I said, there was a woman in our room, and I'm curious. I wonder if this hotel is haunted. And so I started to research a little bit, and I was like, okay, you know, woman in old-fashioned clothes, you know, trying to get the keywords right on Google. Woman in old-fashioned clothes, third floor, Hotel Denver. And it immediately popped up, and this woman... Her name was Molly Brown, and she was huge into women's empowerment and part of the women's rights movement. And it was interesting because at that time, I was feeling this pull of collaborating with small businesses, kind of like what we're doing today, with um, you know supporting you with your podcast. And I just had this pull of you know I want to I want to work with other people, I want to empower other people, and you know, work with other women entrepreneurs. And that was really the message that I received from Molly. And it was just such a really cool experience. Um, I'm grateful for it. And, you know, I, I have a lot of spirit encounters, but I would say that was one of my favorites. And it was very validating and affirming that, it just so happened to be about women's empowerment, and you know, coming together as a group of women, and um, it kind of gave me a push to to put myself out there more with my business and what I do. So I am a Reiki master, soon to be teacher, and I really promote that calm energy. Um, I write my own guided meditations and very very connected to spirit so it's always amazing when we all get to share our stories and I'm grateful that I got to share mine today.
10: So a few years ago my job was to um, design graphics for um, a pencil manufacturer so here in Cumbria where I live in the UK we actually have a Um, well-known pencil company um, where pencils are made using very traditional methods and the factory was really old. Um, We were based in Keswick which is a traditional sort of lake district town, um, a tourist attraction and things like that. We even have a pencil museum and I always knew that the pencil factory was haunted. Um, People would say that you know they've seen things that you know they've experienced things, noises and and whatnot. And I had never experienced anything for myself. And to be honest, I'm a bit of a wuss. So if I had, I would probably panic quite a lot. Um, however, I used to arrive quite early, so I used to get in there for about seven o'clock in the morning sometimes and um, start work. And especially in the winter time, it was always um, super dark. It was it wasn't really near any street lights or anything like that and the new part of the building where I worked I honestly didn't think that it was haunted it didn't feel haunted it didn't particularly look haunted it was quite a modern building in comparison to the old factory and it was something which yeah I wasn't worried about and I went into work one morning seven o'clock and we had this training room And in order for me to switch the lights on, I had to walk across the dark room to the other side of the room and um, switch the light on, which was a bit of a design flaw, but there you go. And I honestly didn't think that, I didn't think anything of it really. I just sort of looked and started to walk and um, I got to the other side of the um, room. I held out my hand to switch on the light and I felt a hand... Um, grip my arm and it sort of proceeded to gently move down my arm and then sort of disappear off and then when I switched the light on there was nothing there there was nobody else in the room it was a very closed off room I was the only person in the building really and um I honestly cannot explain it. I cannot say that I felt cold. It it didn't feel like a cold arm, it a hand. It didn't feel like anything. What you would say was ghostly. It, it honestly didn't feel like anything. It just felt like a normal hand touching me on on my arm. And um, I still remember it now. I still remember putting my hand out and thinking, I, I didn't. I wasn't scared or anything. And which really surprised me because. I think I would have freaked out if it, you know, if I thought I was going to freak out and I had, I didn't freak out. I literally switched the light on and I looked around and then I got on with my day and it wasn't until later on that day when I was talking about it to one of my colleagues, I think. And she said, um, yeah, she said our cleaners experienced a similar thing. So I felt like this, I, I believe it was a ghost, I honestly believe that I think it was something supernatural because I can't explain it being anything else and it wasn't scary I didn't feel scared and I just think that later on was when I become a little bit creeped out because I was like what was it what reached out and and held my arm it didn't feel aggressive it didn't feel it felt like a caring sort of thing you know when someone touches your arm and then sort of strokes it almost and then as if to say hi and uh, yeah I'm talking about it now and I'm getting like that sort of glowing feeling inside me because I honestly felt like it was almost a friendly ghost so yeah that's my that's my story um and it wasn't scary like I say you you think it's gonna be when you have these experiences you know one day is it gonna be scary it really wasn't so yeah that's what happened to me So my boyfriend, now husband, used to live in a forest. Um, He was a forester and he had a house as part of his job. So I would go and stay with him on the weekends. And I kind of had this feeling about the house. It felt very dark and depressing and damp. And I just got this general feeling from it. And it used to we used to hear noises and things like that but it was an old creaky house I can't really imagine you know that that you know that is quite normal for an old creaky house um but we'd heard a few things like the neighbor would say that you know you were banging in the night you were making noise and we were like well we weren't making noise you were and we'd hear like lots of loud bangs and loud knocks and things like that and then one evening um we decided to sleep in the living room with the stove on, um, because it was a really cold night and it was a little damp cottage. And we um sort of had like a, a bit of a sofa bed and we were both asleep. And I woke up and I felt like there was something on me, like lying on me, like on my chest, almost like I couldn't breathe. And I sat up and I, I literally I, I knew I had to get out of the house. So I ran out of the door and stood on the back step and I could suddenly breathe again and I turned around and I literally could not go back in the house I was like frozen to the spot and eventually my my boyfriend now husband coaxed me back in and but I, I couldn't sleep like I literally couldn't sleep there was just something not right about this house and as it turns out we we later found out that this house is on the site of an ex prisoner of war camp um so it used to hold um german prisoners in the war time and it's historically a very haunted place but we we didn't know that and there's been lots and lots of other experiences that my husband and his housemate have experienced which you know obviously i can't tell their story for them but they've had things move the lights switch on and off they've left the house and the curtains have been opened when they have been closed when they've opened them and lots and lots of things like that um just lots and lots of what you would class as you know, norm like normal paranormal activity, um, but like I say, it was a prisoner of war camp. There was lots of horrible things that happened there. Um, they did have the vicar out to do a um, what you would call a blessing on the house, and he said that historically he's had to come back um, every time there's been a new person stay in the house. And my husband actually went back down there recently um, to go to a conference and. A couple of guys would, had were living there and they mentioned the house and they sort of said, um, oh, has anyone ever noticed anything funny about this house? And my husband just laughed and said, yeah, we've had it all. We've had all the experiences and it just, you know, every time somebody lives there, they experience exactly the same thing. And I'm sure that it all comes back from it being a prisoner of war camp back in, in, you know, World War II. And obviously the times, you know, the spirits there are probably people who have had a really difficult time. And, and that's why we have all experienced these negative things happen to us. And I must admit, I honestly have never experienced anything like that before. And I have, you know, I never have since. It was absolutely terrifying.
11: Hi, my name is Stephanie Zito, and I'm going to be sharing my story of clearing a spirit from a friend and client's house. Just to start off a little bit about my background, uh, I am an intuitive soul purpose coach, and my intention was never to work with a spirit um, in homes, so to speak. Uh, I really work with, in terms of intuition, Um, as a medium, as an intuitive, helping people to get really clear on what they really want and to clear the blocks that are holding them back. So generally, uh, in terms of working with spirit, I'll notice uh, a stuck pattern or energy and then help my client clear that. Uh, to make their way forward and really help them see like a 180, perhaps in some way they were stuck um, or something that was blocking them from moving forward. So I just say that as a little bit of background, because what I noticed in the work that I do is that, you know, everything is energy. And so the deeper I got into my intuitive work and working with the energetics of blockages and past story, past lives, um, spirit, aliens, I started to, understand more and more how uh, we can manipulate energy and there really is nothing to fear. So as I tell this story, you know, some of the things that I say, I feel like um, could could seem scary to someone. But I really just want to point out that none of these things need to be scary. We just need to seek to understand. So I kind of want to start with that. So let's just call this friend Jill, and let's call her husband Bill, just for the sake of conversation. So Over the course of a couple years, Jill has described to me and to my friends, we have mutual friends, um, instances that have occurred uh, with spirit and physical things like um, she's shown us scratches that she's gotten in the middle of the night. She's described noises or seeing flashes of something passing by. Um, Things really started to escalate more recently. This happened a couple months ago. Things were really escalating and they were escalating, especially with her husband, Bill, such that uh, Bill would be trying to take the kids out to play and a ball would just fall in the garage, kind of like seemingly out of nowhere. Like there's no good reason why that ball should have fallen Um, to the point that Bill was getting really frustrated and kind of said something like, why won't you leave us alone? And literally uh, in their living room, a kid's mask uh, flew across the room. So they were definitely getting really uh, tangible instances of energy moving, things moving um, in their homes to the point that they're like, okay, we really need this. We've been really tolerant. We'd really like for this to leave. Um, As a little bit of backstory, you know, when I felt into the energetics of their neighborhood in particular, I definitely have a felt sense of um, a lot of spirit activity in their neighborhood. So I can almost bet you if you were to talk to other neighbors, um, if they're aware of it, they might be experiencing spirit activity too. Uh, This particular family is very intuitive, very connected, very open. So I find it, uh, there's sort of, no mistake that a spirit would find their way towards, um, towards these individuals because they are so open and, you know, spirit is looking to connect sometimes with someone. Um, so they can be seen, they can be heard, they can sort of, you know, be connected. So when my friend approached me, uh, and I do work with her as a client as well, just through her business, you know, this was sort of like another, sort of a new, another area, a new area. And, um, I went to her home. And I started out just by lighting a candle. I feel like lighting a candle is a really nice way to be approachable with spirit. Um, And for me, you know, what I do is I go into a really sort of um, channeled space. So I go into a space connecting in with uh, with Jill and also in with the spirit and really identify the spirit as a young child, who she also identifies the spirit as as a young child, Um, and really nothing to fear. You know, even these things that might seem scary, like getting scratches. I mean, that seems Seems like whoa <laughs> um you know nothing to really fear but just sort of more asking like why are you here and uh as we kind of dove into the space you know the idea was to help the spirit sort of transition into the spirit world but in this instance i i sort of felt the energy i found the energy of something more so um I kind of helped her just identify the spirit, identify the presence of the spirit, and um, even the name, which I don't recall at this moment, (laughs) but um, asking the spirit what the spirit really wanted and um, finding someone with whom the spirit could transition in this case a grandfather to help the spirit transition to the other side so to speak to like the spirit world so leaving this kind of earthly realm right here right now in this time frame this time zone uh, this space and time and to to move to where you're meant to be right Um, and the spirit especially feeling kind of lost alone you know wanting to connect really so helping the spirit to transition so So in that transition, what I found was that it wasn't enough. And this is where I feel like we can fall short sometimes. Like if we're trying to quote unquote banish a spirit, like I feel like the energy that we're using isn't always appropriate. Like we don't need to be afraid. You know, um, these spirits were, you know, humans in form at one time and their energy has just taken a different form. So we don't necessarily need to be afraid of them. We don't need to banish them. Like let's help them out. So what I noticed is that I could sense um, because you know, we, we, we are this form, right? We are this physical form when we're on earth and um, we are also connected to our soul, our vast soul, which uh, is infinite. And so we can have sort of these parallel timelines. Um, In this instance, what I noticed was sort of like um, a sense of, uh, a human being, um, a man with a family in this lifetime, in this current era, who was sort of um, sort of needing like a soul retrieval of sorts, feeling like a part of themselves was missing, so to speak, and where was that? It was through this this lost soul that was still stuck. In this timeline, um, who was visiting my friend's house? So picture that there is this man um, with a family who is feeling this sort of sense of loss, or um, something isn't quite moving forward, or they sort of get drawn back towards trying to fix something in their lives. If you picture someone like that, like there's something they they need to fix, or they're trying to fix it through what they're doing. There's a part of them that they just don't feel like is quite there. Maybe they don't feel fully whole. Um, that could be an aspect of like a a part of our spirit being kind of left behind somewhere, left behind in a memory. Um, This is what we call soul retrieval. It's an aspect of soul retrieval. So uh, in this uh, clearing that I was doing with my friend Jill, uh, we helped the soul sort of transition and unite with his current body, physical body in this lifetime, this new lifetime that he's meant to be part of uh, and, and kind of creating that sense of wholeness and completion for him. So, you know, my ghost story, I don't really feel like is really that scary. Um, I do really have this sense of, you know, the more we can tap into our intuition, the more we can ask questions, the more we can dive deeper, we can get the understanding and we can get the answers and we can help some of these souls transition, perhaps into the new lifetime that they're meant to be part of. So that's my story. Thanks so much for listening.
12: Cecilia DeGruyte here talking about some of the ghostly encounters I've had in my life. I worked in this restaurant and uh, one day I was there early in the morning because I had to get food ready for the heli skiers. And it was quiet and stuff so I was like, oh I I should turn the radio on. I should really do that. And all of a sudden it pops on. Unfortunately, I can't remember what it was playing. That would be really cool. But, you know, I just kind of brushed it off because, um, there was a weird wiring thing with it supposedly, and it would just sort of come on and off at random. <laughs> but just the fact that it came on in that moment that I wanted it to, and having it come on was like, huh? And then later that morning, as I was, uh, doing up the lettuce for the salads for lunch, I was pushing the uh, box of lettuce back into the fridge. It was huge. I couldn't, couldn't quite pick it up. And I heard, count your heads. I was like, what? And sure enough, I didn't do enough lettuce. So it was, it was just like really bizarre. And it all kind of happened like that. Um, and then when I was in Vancouver, there's a couple incidences there. And one place my friend had was her place and she had this like little boy spirit that would follow her everywhere. Apparently wherever she went this little boy was there. So it was like attached to her energy or something, I'm not sure. And I can't remember exactly what happened, but we had an I had an interaction with the little boy. And uh Then I went and I I, um, downloaded or grabbed some of her music off her computer. I transferred it onto a thumb drive or my hard drive or something. So I could have it at home to listen to. And I think we were talking about it or something. Something happened. Or I was playing it or something. I can't really remember. But basically, the little boy, he played a trick on me because... I don't know, suddenly the music switched from, I think it was like Portishead to Johnny Cash. And my friend was like, that's impossible because I do not have those folders together like that. And it was like in the middle of a song and then all of a sudden Johnny Cash started playing. Like nobody had switched anything or, or anything, right? Nobody had moved into that kind of music. We were, <laughs> we were in the moment. Anyway, I was just like, little boy, like, come on, man. You know, don't mess with my music. <laughs> um, another time I was there all alone. It was like midnight, I think on Christmas Eve or Christmas day or something. The dog and the cat and I was doing dishes. And all of a sudden there was this like, woof, of energy. It just like passed through me and I could like, whoa, I could feel it. And all of a sudden it was like, I feel really, really, really uncomfortable here right now. Couldn't handle it. the dog's hackles, went up and she booked it down the stairs. And the cat just, you know, was a cat, doesn't care. <laughs> it's a guardian, you know. And anyway, um, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go to bed now. <laughs> I was staying around for this about, <laughs> uh, and I did. I didn't, I didn't do anything there, but then I ended up moving to a place. Prior Street in Vancouver, built in the 1890s, rat infested. It was like a beautiful house, which, you know, in some ways it was ruined by rats. But in another way, it gave it this weird character, you know, anyway, there was also a little girl there, little girl ghost. And she would always look at us in through, um, I can't remember the term for the door, but it's like a door with a big glass inset. So you can like see through it into the living room from the entryway. And so I look up on occasion and like little girl would be like peeking through the glass at us. And that was about all she really did. Um, My friend, my roommate there, she was cleaning up one day and she's like, I don't understand it. Why are there fingerprints all right here? Like we're all adults. We would be touching up here, not down here where a little girl looks through. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a little girl. Right. And she's like, oh, I don't ever get to see her. My roommate, my other roommate there, um, he had lots of interactions with ghosts and spirits. So it's fascinating talking to him about things. And uh anyway, fast forward a bit of time and still with that same house, I was coming home at three in the morning, three in the morning for my job and uh, like for weeks, maybe months, I can't remember exactly the timeline, but I'd be coming home and I'd look up and there was like this dark energy in a tree not not like malicious or anything but it was like black and it would it would like sort of greet me as I went along it made me feel like it was waiting for me to come home and uh yeah it would like every every night coming down that street from from work at like three in the morning It'd be waiting for me this thing for yeah weeks months I I don't even know And then it would greet me all the way back home. And finally I mentioned it to my roommate who was super, super sensitive to all those kinds of things. And he was like, Oh, you see the man. And it was like, ding, you know, like interesting. Yeah. Another time, uh, my boyfriend at that time and I were fooling around and all of a sudden I saw something run by the door. And I was like, did you see that? You know, and he was like, yeah. And then he he couldn't handle it and he booked it. He left, he was so scared.
13: (laughs) So this is my uh, experience with one of my uh, good friends, girlfriends who passed. Uh, It was actually her wife. Uh, They were married in spirit after her death. So Kaylee uh, died in the beginning of May, and she passed from really weird circumstances. Um, we weren't quite sure what was going on until we got the, oh, the autopsy report. And then they sent in for other tests and such. Well, in the meantime, while all this was going on, I was uh, talking to her wife, Crystal. And uh, me and her became friends. we have been distant friends until this happened. And I seen what happened, and I was like, I feel very compelled to message her, so I did. And she was like, you're a witch, right? And I was like... Oh, yeah. (laughs) She was like, can you talk to her? And I was like, I can try to, depends on if she, you know, a lot of things, you know, if she wants to talk to me, if she's in this realm, you know, a whole bunch of other things. So I was like, yeah, I'll try. So I started with my pendulum. I asked her a series of questions and I got some very interesting answers. Um, I wrote all down, wrote down all the questions, all the answers, and I sent them to Crystal. Crystal took some of the answers kind of hard, like, are you in this realm? And she said no, which I thought was weird because I was like, if you're not in this realm, how are you answering me? But, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. Um, and then I also tried, uh lighting a candle with crystals all around it uh, in order to gain communication with her, to which she also answered me again. I asked a third time for communication out of her spirit, Kaylee's spirit, and I was met with a very beautiful thing, in my opinion. So what happened was I asked her to come to me in my dreams, which I know... That that's a bit much to ask for some spirits, knowing that I wasn't involved in her life to almost any degree. But I was asking for Crystal's sake. So I was like, "Kaylee, can you please come to me in a dream? And she did. But right before this dream, I was falling asleep, literally right on the edge of sleep. All of a sudden, this big white hot flash of light comes into my room and it came down from my ceiling now mind you i'm in the attic and my ceiling lights all the way on the other end of uh, where i'm sleeping so i was like okay that was weird went back to sleep well attempted to go back to sleep i should say and um, that white hot flash of light happened again Weird. Okay, so shook it off again. Now, this third time, this white hot light was so bright, I had to open my eyes because it hurt so bad, which is weird, right? My eyes were already closed. So I opened my eyes, and this big white light was filling my room. And the first thing that came to my mind was, thank you. I was like, thank you what are we, what, what did I do? Where are we thanking me? (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, it's Kaylee. I was like, oh my God, it's fucking Kaylee saying thank you for getting all that communication over to her wife. And that made me feel really good. It made Crystal feel really good. It was a magical experience and... Something I have not encountered uh, yet with all of my past death-slash-spirit encounters. It was just so genuine, and it was beautiful. And that's my story. I had such a beautiful ghosty
14: experience last night, and then fell asleep pretty much right afterwards, (laughs) so I figured I would tell you about it today. So just for context, I live in the flight path of UCI, which is the closest um, hospital around me for traumas and transplants. And there was an organ transport that was going to the hospital last night. And I've sat in on a lot of those. I was an ultrasound for like 12 years. I've been around the multiverse multi times. and I have never, ever, ever seen what I saw. Well, experienced, I should say last night. So like, you know, they are angels and guides and everyone's around them. But this is the first time that I've seen the person who was the organ donator the person who had deceased you know in order to donate their organs not only along with the transport but it looked like there were also two other people um who were going to be getting second chances of life thanks to vital organ transplants clearly i'm a transplant advocate <laughs> and donation advocate um and i saw and got to experience those people's recovery not only the transplant but their recovery and their experiences through it and then on the other side i am getting choked up just thinking about it, i'm going to try not to cry But I can't guarantee it. So they were flying over and um, I was given these visions of everybody doing okay and everything turning out so beautifully and that was the first time that I'd ever even seen someone's spirit um, stay attached to organs that have been donated definitely like not orchestrate all this stuff on the the spirit end as much as they could like they were rearranging all these energies they were changing all these frequencies so that the person could be more receptive like they were doing literally every single thing they could and even other things that they couldn't they were having other guides helping them with it to make sure that the recipients could actually get a second chance at life and this one does have to do with infant loss and mommy passing away in labor but it does actually come to a good ending so okay i'm going to do my best to get this into one part so i was working at a high risk obstetrics facility that did do natal surgery and very high risk deliveries and we had a woman come in that was a very high risk delivery and it was not going well we were losing both mom and baby and there was a spirit that came in with both mom and baby that was like I mean, this, the spirit where they incarnated into a person would have, would have been a freaking character. Like one of those people that they walk into a room, all eyes are on them. You can't help but just kind of get like, you know, sucked into their energy, like that kind of a big, big character. So mom is still conscious when we are starting to lose baby and she sees that the fetal heart rate is like almost undetectable at that point. And then she ends up coding on us, her heart stops beating and that you know, energy that came in with her that was, like, so prolific and such a character did basically the spiritual equivalent of grabbing her by the wrist and being like, no, get back in that body, You get back in the body, you are going to have that baby, he's going to need you, get back in that body. And what had happened was basically, like, her conscious mind, when she was hearing all of this and hearing what we were saying and stuff, thought, like, oh, no, I'm going to have another baby loss and just couldn't couldn't cope and just decided to eat out of her body right then and there. And her previous child was like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm get back in there get back in there and then both mom and baby were fine so no i'm saying this quickly but mom was out of her body for a while like the doctor was working on her wanted to call it and i was arguing with him i was actually pretty good about like taking orders for the most part when i was an ultrasound tech but i was arguing with him like do not stop working on her and sure enough the baby who had passed away before led mom back into her body mom was okay baby was okay everyone was fine and that baby ended up being like both of their guardian well angels angels are different actually than human spirits that have passed but we'll use the phrase guardian angel it's really sweet
0: i hope you guys really loved this episode it was so much fun to put together for you guys and i can't wait to do more collaborative projects I just love working with other people and I have some really amazing ideas up my sleeves for some other stories to collaborate on and for my announcement I am offering a free Akashic adjustment to help you get unstuck this is a beautiful like brief meditation to help you energetically realign all your systems in place so that you can shift out of that yucky stuck feeling and into alignment and surrendered flow. I love this. I have been using my Akashic adjustments. I've been using my psilocybin, uh, micro dosing and just I don't even know what to say. I just feel like energetically I am entirely a different person than I was like maybe a month ago. I really love seeing how this work is expanding within me and also how I'm using it in order to help me expand as well. You can get your free Akashic adjustment to get unstuck by going in the show notes and clicking the link there. Thank you guys for listening and until next week. Hey guys, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to spend with me today and listening to this episode. Look out for the next episode dropping soon and make sure you like and subscribe so you will know and get notifications when that happens. You can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I am Intuition by Tia Marie. And I also have a website you can check out, www.intuitionbytiamarie.com. All links will be in the show notes. Until next time.